Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Goodness gracious. It's almost the end of July. This is the last program for July. Imagine that. So, uh, welcome to the program. Let me move my microphone a little bit. That'll be a little better. There we go. And I hope you'll pick up that phone and give us a call. Jared Taylor is running the boards, and he is answering the phones and doing the heavy lifting. And I am Neil Sperry, and I am here to answer your lawn and garden questions. And uh, I hope there will be some. This is a this is a tough time of year. It's tough to be a gardener in Texas when it's 100 degrees outside or more. And uh, we'll try to get your plants through. If you have questions about what would be the best plants to use in your landscape when it comes time to to re-landscape this fall uh, because of the uh, winters we've had the last couple of years, did you know that fall is the very best time for landscaping? Did you know that? Nurserymen have been trying to convince us of that all of my career, and I've been doing commercial uh, garden broadcasting now for 45 years, and before that, seven years with the Extension Service, and uh, so uh, we can do the math of that. It's about 52 years. I started in 1970 and uh, with the Extension Service in Dallas County, and it may turn into a career for me. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, all of that time, nurserymen have been saying, Fall is for planting. Uh, the plants are larger. They've been growing all summer. Uh, over the winter, they'll take time to repot them into, into the next larger pot size. So when you get them in the spring, they won't be as full. They'll be nice plants, but they won't look like they do now. And a lot of nurseries uh, put good sales on in the fall. You get them planted in the fall, and they'll have a chance to fill out and, and get their roots established over the, the rest of the fall and the winter and the spring before summer comes in for next summer. So all of those are positive things. The only group of plants that you wouldn't want to plant in the fall would be things that you know are going to be tender in your area uh, to, a, to a cold winter. You shouldn't be planting those anyway. Or if you're going to plant them, plant one or plant three, but don't plant a whole landscape to them. So anyway, we can talk about what would be good for your landscape, what would be good to get your landscape looking its very best this fall uh, to, to perk things up. Those are the things we talk about. And uh, calls are coming in now. So thank you for that very, very much. Phone number is 800. Uh, let's uh, try a different card here. That one is left over from another program another week. That wouldn't be good. Jared say, Neil, what are you doing to me? I did that once. I, I made a mistake. I've told this story a time or two. I made a mistake of one of the, one of the, uh, let's see, I guess it was on my own phone number for my, for my office. I, uh, reversed a couple of the numbers and it went to a fish market it was a toll-free number and it went to a fish market and they finally figured out what was going on and called and said please have neil correct we had just gotten the number please have neil correct the phone number he's giving out we're getting his calls and as much as we'd like to help we can't and it was somewhere i don't know where they were west coast so anyway the phone number is 888-256-1080 that's the way you'll get Jared Taylor, and then that's the way you'll get me. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Please do call now, won't you? 888-256-1080. Let me uh, get our first break out of the way, and then we'll go to Gary in Brenham. We're going to be talking peach trees right off the bat, but hopefully we can talk to you about your problem, too. Or your question may not be a problem. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening is my book, and as you make your plans for fall plantings and 
gardening into the future, this might be the only reference book that you would need to have in your library. That was my goal when I began writing this book. I thought I'd write this book in five or six months. Well, about 13 months later, we had the book uh, on the presses. It took a long time, and those were full days, 12 to 14-hour days, seven days a week. I still wrote my newspaper columns, did my radio programs, and still got to church about half of the time. I explained to our pastor, I took him one of the first ten copies, and I said, here is where I've been. I I hope the MIA will still let me get into heaven. (laughs) And he laughed. And and, uh, so anyway, the book is Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. I self-published this book because I didn't want to work through a publishing house again. I had done that on four previous books, and... It, it turned out not to be fun for several reasons. The first time I got, the first two times I got assigned to committees, uh, that, uh, were editorial committee and marketing committee. And I found that in each case, um, I was working with people who did not understand gardening and, and really just understood book publishing and how to cut costs and how to, how to make the most for their firm. And I, I can't fault that. That's what they were there for. But it wasn't much fun as an, as an author to work with that. Uh, the third time, the company worked with me, and they were nice, and we got the book done, and then they went bankrupt right away. And the fourth time, I worked a year, and then the company uh, decided they didn't want to do any books, and they canceled all book uh, things that they were working on. So, okay, I'm not going to do this through a book anymore, a publisher. I'm going to self-publish my book, and that was a lot more fun. Got to pick my own editor, Carolyn Skye, and graphic designer, Cindy Smith, and the, the three of us did this book, 11 chapters covering lawns, trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annual and perennial flowers, fruit and vegetables, and the basics of gardening. And chapter two, I might add, is a 48-page calendar telling you when to plant, prune, fertilize, and protect all of the plants that you're growing in every county in the great state of Texas. There are 344 pages, 840 of my photographs, and more than 25 multi-page charts to help you pick the right plants and succeed in every one of your gardening activities. I sign every copy of the book as it sells, and I guarantee your satisfaction, or I'll refund every penny. 80,000 copies sold to date, and not one request for a refund. Now, the book is not in stores, and it's not on Amazon. You say, well, Neil... What'd you do that? Where can I buy it? You buy it either from my office or you buy it by going to my website. The office phone number weekdays, 9 until 5, is 800-752-GROW with an O, not a zero. There was that problem. 800-752-4769. 800-752-4769. But there's an easier way to get the book, and that's to go to my website and buy it right now. It's neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. When people think of Mueller, they think of quality steel buildings, and they think of durable metal roofing, but that name Mueller means so much more. The name Mueller on a product means that you'll have a a product that's been manufactured by Mueller, including in-house engineers. They'll help you design the building of your dreams, and it means you'll have a company in business for 90 years standing behind your warranty. It also means that you'll get tons of added value, like roofing site visits, forklift delivery, and a Mueller assurance team that's ready to help you along the way. 
And Mueller is on the cutting edge. They design and manufacture new products like their greenhouses and standing seam roofing panels. Mueller means so much more. To find out more about Mueller products, go to their website, MuellerInc.com. M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. Or you can stop by one of their 36 locations. 36, soon to be 38 locations of Mueller products. Mueller, Inc., Dot com. Mueller means more. I'll have more after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. Appreciate that. Had a uh, call that came in off air uh, defending and, and supporting the Stephen F. Austin forestry program as well. Um, the uh, call we had was from the next county over from Brazos County where A&M and, and that forestry department is. That's why I referred there. Stephen F. Austin's forestry department is outstanding. I've known several foresters from there, so all credit to them. And had the call been reversed and been from somebody in uh, Tyler or in East Texas, my referral would certainly have been to Stephen F. Austin. So uh, anyway, that uh, was uh, was, uh, uh, not intended to slight them. That is their strong suit beautiful campus as well also good in horticulture might add let's go to rob and brian rob this is neil good morning how can i help you this morning good morning neil yes sir uh, so we dealt with oakville uh for years now and now we're dealing with our cedar trees going down what's going on with the cedar trees i see all over brazos county that the cedar trees are just dropping all right, you're talking about uh, eastern red cedar, the juniperus. Yes. The native one. All right. Um, I have 150 on my property in Collin County, which is not exactly Brazos County, uh, but I grew up in Brazos County. Tell me what you're seeing because I have not witnessed that. You're my first call with that kind of a, a shout-out. Well, uh, what we're seeing is that there are browning out and they're they're dying, so they're. I'm just going to harvest them for timber, but uh, but they serve a purpose, and and I don't understand. Well, I need I need I some kind of symptoms. Yeah, I need some kind of symptoms other than just browning and dying. I need to know uh, when did you first notice this starting? Uh, it's just been this this summer, really. I right, they I had have, a lot have, of. I have two things I'm listening for. I'm going to tell you right now. I have two things I'm listening for, for symptoms. Keep going. Uh, So they had a bunch of ice damage a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. and snow. Uh, They got trimmed. Uh, There's probably 200 on my property. Mm -hmm. And I would say 50 are browning out and going. Okay. Uh, okay, let me ask you the two things. I'm gonna I'm gonna show my hand here. Uh, the the two things that I have seen on my eastern red cedars that I have, I've lived on our property uh, 46 years, and there are two things that have bothered my plants. Um, 
One of them is bagworms. You have looked very closely to see if you have bagworms on your plants. Uh, there are no bagworms. I would have said the same thing on about mine a week ago, and I found uh, two of my plants were absolutely loaded. Uh, it was in an area behind a spot where we had to put a new septic tank in and where I had put sod down. We were watering the dickens out of the sod, and I couldn't get over to look at them. And I noticed that they were turning brown and getting very sparse of needles. And this was quite late. I mean, to happen in mid-July is very late for bagworms. So I walked around the long way. And, oh, my gosh, look at that. They're loaded. And uh, so we got them sprayed, and that's shut down. And they'll come back, but they certainly got set back. All right, so that's number one thing. Um, the other thing that uh, is much harder to check but is also not uncommon is spider mites. Have you ever seen spider mites on, on uh, red cedars? Uh, no, sir. I do not know what a spider mite looks like. Well, uh, and they, they don't attack eastern red cedar nearly as often. They will, but not nearly as often as they will some of the more compact um, uh, junipers, the upright, tightly uh, uh, columnar junipers. Uh, they will cause them to turn brown over a period starting in Actually, they and and they'll also do the prostrate junipers, like uh, uh, the uh, the ground cover junipers, and they will start in in cool weather in February, which is very unlike uh, most spider mites. Uh, they will turn the plants brown. The the more upright types, they will start at the bottom of the plant and flush upright upward, much as they do on tomatoes and marigolds. It's the most universal pest that we have on plants. I I would like to say insects, but they're mites or eight legged varmints. They're almost microscopic. You could put 20 of them on the head of a pin, shoulder to shoulder. You can see them on white paper. You, you hardly can see them on the plants. And so I always suggest that somebody take a, a piece of white paper out beneath a, a plant that is impacted and thump the plant, uh, a branch, a small twig, very firmly. Just I'm going to get a sheet of paper, that, pretend that this is uh, uh, a a little twig maybe eight inches long just thump it over a sheet of white paper and you will see uh, specks that will fall down to the white paper uh, that that was a piece of paper but but you know you'd make about the same sound with the twig and if those specks start to move around those are the mites and I've seen them just be loaded on red cedars and when that happens they will turn the plants brown and they can they can kill a big red cedar not usually but they will they'll certainly turn them brown or gray brown so that's the next thing i would check for uh, I, I i don't have anything else to offer to you because it hasn't been dry enough to yet uh, last year was a possibility in 2011 certainly was a possibility but we're so far away from that that there's no chance of that being the case we didn't get hit in 2011, uh, but I'm noticing it all over the county. Yeah. Well, pest problems show up that way. I don't have anything else to offer to you. Um, I would. So what is the treatment that melathion or, or what am I going to use? Yeah, it's it's going to be a. We used to have kelthane until about ten or fifteen years ago, but like so many pest control products, it got taken off the market because it was too expensive for the manufacturer uh, to prove that it did everything and, and wouldn't hurt people and such and such. They didn't sell enough to justify the cost of proving that it wasn't going to cause problems. 
And so they just said, now we're out. We're no more of that. And uh, it, it was a miticide. It, it was not to kill insects. It was to kill spider mites. And uh, dicofol was the active ingredient. And uh, it's a shame we lost it because regular insecticides do a job on spider mites, but they're not perfect. The best thing you have is to use something that is labeled for insects. And, oh, by the way, it will kill spider mites. It's just not going to kill them perfectly. But don't spray until you're sure you see them. I, I just admonish you don't spray unless you see the mites you'll see them on white paper if you if you do the thumping i wish i were there to help you because i could show you or i could say no there are no mites on this if if they're there to to cause damage to a red cedar like you're describing then um uh, then they'll be so visible because they'll be crawling with them like a dog is just ridden with with fleas the the uh, red cedars I'm seeing in North Texas are uh, hit with bagworms right now, you know, but you are aware of what they, what their damage looks I like. I know what those look yeah. like. All too well, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will look for the spider mites and, and I will go to uh, the co-op and I will yeah, talk they can to help Dr. You. Bill. Take it. Take a sample with you that you have not been banging around, and it needs now one warning for both the one you thump and the one you take. Uh, make sure it's not a dead branch. It needs to be a, a branch that is turning brown or a, a, from a plant that's turning brown, not something that's already expired. We're not doing an autopsy. We're doing a current events thing. Okay. I, I appreciate your advice. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I I can't promise you that I will be able to help you. I want Jared to put you back on hold, and he has a way that you can get me a photo. It's uh, Do you take my electronic newsletter, eGardens? I do. All right. If you will be on hold, I will answer your question there this coming Thursday. This is a way you can get me a photo, and I'll try my best, but it's going to have to be a, just a barn burner of a photo. Uh, because if I'm looking for spider mite damage, it's going to be awfully hard to see, but I'll sure try. Thank so you very much. You stay on hold, and Jared, if you'll give him the special address that we've talked about in the past. Yeah, it is. Jared's whispering in my ear. It sure is. All right, good deal. I'll try to help, Rob. Thank you. All right, folks, I'm behind on breaks. Let me get uh, this one in. We'll come back to George in Caldwell, Connie in Crockett, and Loretta in Washington County. The, oh, I appreciate you all very much. All right. Going to be a quick one for my book, Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. Uh, you can get it for $36.95. That is a sale price. I didn't even give the price in the last ad I did for it. It's uh, 344 pages, 840 of my photographs. It will make you a more successful gardener, or I'll buy it back from you. Uh, plain as that. Makes a great gift. It covers every aspect of outdoor gardening for every county in the state of texas it's a hardback it's printed on high quality paper you will be happy that you bought it or i'll buy it back from you i sign every copy as it sells it's not in stores and not on amazon you can see all the details about the book by going to my website that's where you order it neilsperry.com n-e-i-l S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. The other thing you can do is call my office Monday through Friday, 800-752-GROW, 800-752-4769. But the better way is to order it right now at neilsperry.com. 
Ferries.com. Niels Ferries, Lone Star Gardening. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. I'm going to have to move kind of quickly. I took a lot of time trying to help the man with 150 red cedars, um, and I'm now behind schedule, so I'll, I'll try my best. I, I think I can do this. George and Caldwell, this is Neil. Thanks for waiting. How can I help you? Yes, Neil, this is, uh, I got a question about a pomegranate that froze only. It froze to the ground. I've got actually two of them, but the older one, which is probably 10 years old or so, it, it already bared fruit. Okay. I had fruit only a couple of years. Here, I don't know, we had that cold spell two, three years ago. It yes, froze sir. to the ground. It's coming out, but it's not blooming. This year it didn't bloom, so uh, I'm not sure. And I've got another one that's done the same thing, but it's a younger one. I had the rootstock of the my oldest one. There's no root. It, to, there's uh, no rootstock. There, there's no rootstock, George. They are rooted from cuttings, and so they are the same roots, tops, and all. So just let it right. grow. Well, I, I do got a sprout next to one of them, next to my oldest tree. I dug out a sprout that was at root on it, and I transplanted it. It was because it comes out with several different shoots, you know, sprouts. Right. How can and I help done you? done the same thing after it froze. Yeah, how several can I help you? Several sprouts that how come can, out of the ground. George, how can I help you? What's your question for, for is me? That fruit, is that tree going to be any good? Would it ever bear fruit? Yes. That's what I was starting to say. You need to give it time. You have juvenile growth coming on both, all these plants now. When they freeze to the ground, just like figs, it takes them several years to produce again. Okay, because okay. They That's are what most... I wanted to know. Should I keep yeah. it? And Absolutely. Let it, let after it so grow. many years, it'll probably start bearing again. It will. Let it grow. It's just like a brand-new plant. It's got to get okay. some age to okay. it. Okay, so I will keep it watered because i got to water them because it's so dry here now. I know. Yeah, just keep it. It'll be fine. It's going to be the same variety, and it'll do fine for you. Hey, I okay, appreciate Neil, your call. I appreciate that. Thank you, George. Thank Have you. a good day. You bet. Connie and Loretta, stay with me. Let me do a quick version of my ad for my eGardens magazine. I said, gentlemen, if you took this, it's my electronic newsletter that is free. It comes from my computer to your email. I spend one to two days a week writing eGardens. I think you'll enjoy it, and uh, if you don't, you can always unsubscribe. It is free. I will never spam you. I don't give or sell your email address to anybody. We have about 80,000 people who subscribe to eGardens. I hope you'll be the next one who signs up for it. Go to my website site neilsperry.com you can always see the most recent issue of eGardens and uh, that's where you sign up for it also n-e-i-l-s-p-e-r-r-y.com click on the eGardens tab it seems like these days temporary storage facilities are on every street corner but let's do some math for what you are paying in yearly costs for that storage room you could own your own metal storage building right in your own backyard with a Mueller Backyard Building. Their backyard building kits are easy to assemble with bolt-together designs, and they're priced right. You keep your stuff at home, and you're not throwing away money by leasing storage. Their kits come in a variety of sizes with more than 30 colors from which to choose, adding style to your storage space. If you need a larger storage solution, Mueller's pre-engineered standard series buildings can accommodate almost any need. 
Whether it's a smaller place for a lawnmower or a place for cars, boats, maybe even an RV, you can have peace of mind that a Mueller Metal Building will protect those treasures at a reasonable price. You can see all the options at MuellerInc.com. M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. Or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. Find a a location near you. There are 36 of them across Texas. That's 877-268-3553. They're Mueller. They're made in America, and they're made to last. MuellerInc.com. More after this message. Thank you, Kelly. I think we can get both calls in. Let's try it. Connie and Crockett first. Connie, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Uh, I know we're supposed to trim rose bushes in February and August. Well, it's not quite August yet, but my rose bushes look really bad. Is it too early to cut them back now? No, I think you could do it. You want to cut them by about a third at this time of year, a half in, in uh, early February where you are and uh, a third at uh, in August. And uh, I agree with you. If they look as as, as sad as some of us feel in this heat, uh, you, could, yes, you could do yes. that now. We're, we're two days away from August. I think we can fudge that much. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to do it then. Thank you very much. You're welcome very much. Thanks for the call, Connie. Every cut right above a bud that faces out from the center of the plant. And, folks, for those of you who live in areas where rose rosette virus is a problem, know what it looks like. You can see on my website, neilsperry.com, I've left archived information about that deadly virus. Uh, that attacks rose bushes. It's not all over the state of Texas, but where it is prevalent, you need to know what it looks like, and you need to dig and destroy all parts of each plant that is infected because it will spread through your uh, entire collection and through your entire neighborhood. Let's go to Loretta in Washington County. Loretta, this is Neil. How may I help you? Hey, good morning. I have a a couple of questions about milkweeds, monarchs, and caterpillars. Uh, we have about over 200 milkweed plants in our flower bed, and I've only seen about maybe three or four monarchs. Is that unusual for this time of the year? I think you're jumping the gun. It's a little bit early still. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I did not know that because my milk, my milkweeds have gotten flowers there for probably about a month already so okay good what, what milkweed do you have oh you know sweet i don't know it's a milkweed and it's got little orange flowers on the top all right um okay the one that they really prefer and that is better as best for them is the wild native milkweed that has kind of the greenish flowers not especially showy uh, it bloomed about a month ago uh, of course they're eating foliage they're not eating the flowers the, the butterflies true. will go to the, the flowers, but um, as mm. far as a food source, the other one is, is uh, very much preferred. Do a little bit of uh, reading up on it. What was your other question? I'm about out of time. Okay, and, and about, you know, because we, cause we had these here two or three years ago, and we had like 40 caterpillars, and then they came on, on our eaves, and they made beautiful monarchs. And so oh, yeah. I haven't seen any I haven't seen any uh, caterpillars, but I guess, like you said, it's too early to I think too early it's yet, early, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I'm not seeing them. I'm not seeing them yet either. Oh, okay. Well, I was just wanting to know. I thought I don't know if I needed to pull all those milkweeds out and start all over or what. But, oh no, okay. no, no. Just sit tight. Okay. Thank you so 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 You're much. You're welcome. Have a great day. <laughs> Thank you. 
Washington County, if you're not familiar, is Brenham, and that is a beautiful county if you ever have a chance to drive around and enjoy it. Beautiful in the spring when the bluebonnets are in bloom. It, it's just, it has so much history in that county. Uh, spend a little time. It's not very far from College Station. It was never on my way anywhere when Mom and Dad and I were there I, uh, when I was growing up, and we didn't go through Washington County much, and later... I did, and oh my goodness. Hey, I've enjoyed this a great deal. Jared Taylor, thank you. Well produced, and thank you all who have called. Have a great week. Until next week, happy gardening.